0: It's no secret that we are big on brand identity at Teak. It's also no secret that we believe in creating boundaries within the client experience for travel advisors. Well, today's topic is a perfect medley of the two. We are going to talk about where branding and boundaries meet.
1: If you feel that you are consistently seeing the wrong clients come through your pipeline, then this is the perfect episode to tune into because today we are discussing brand messaging and how honing your story narrative is important to your business's success. We genuinely believe that your brand messaging can either make or break the level of clients that are coming through doors. So to kick this off, we're going to do a little refresher on what a target audience is and how you can kind of identify yours. Because I mean, I think honestly, that's something we see quite a bit, especially on the branding side of our business, that people just don't really know who they serve or they try to serve everybody all at once.
0: Hey, it's your travel industry best friends, Robin and Jen from T. We're
1: obsessed with practically anything that touches your business and allows you to scale to the level of success that you've always dreamt of. With Robin's background in sales and marketing and Jennifer's experience as a management level HR professional... We grew a small
0: itinerary creation company into a multi-million dollar travel agency. And now we aim to help others skip the hard stuff and get right to the big wins.
1: We're probably each recording this holding a glass of wine. So pour one up with us, grab a seat, and join us to talk all things travel and business. First things first, to put it in the most like layman's terms possible, your target audience is... Drumroll, please! The audience that you want to target. So <laughs> it refers to a specific group of people or consumers who most likely want to buy or want to work with you on travel or plan travel with you, and therefore the group of people who you should consider when planning out and executing your marketing campaign. Target audience may be dictated by age, gender, income, location in the country, interests, or honestly, a million and five other factors, where they spend their time on the weekends, what kind of publications they listen to, you can get super duper granular with this. And if you have downloaded our defining your dream client guide, you know, that worksheet helps you go super, super deep with this. So depending on the type of experience that you sell, or, you know, your individual business goals, your target audience could be broad, or it could be more niche, it just kind of depends on you as a small business owner though understanding your target audience is vital because this information will define every marketing plan and the strategy that you execute so by knowing what your target audience is reading in a certain publication or watches a certain show means that your advertisement your messaging could be seen by fewer people like you could be targeting fewer people by like narrowing in on a specific segment which i think is kind of scary for business owners but all of a sudden you're targeting the right people. And if you're listening to this and have no idea how to find your target audience, I would first start by downloading defining your dream client guide. That's super helpful. Then I would start by analyzing your current client roster. So do you see any trends for the type of people that are most commonly reaching out to you? But also it's important to think about not only your current clients that you're working with, but the types of clients that you hope to work with in the future. So if right now your client roster does not feel aligned with the types of people that you want to work with, or, you know, they're kind of booking, let's say sun and sand, and you're trying to gravitate over towards European FIT, that's important to note, because something in your messaging is pulling in a specific type of person. And that's kind of like your detective hat, put your detective hat on. What about me? What about my brand? What about my messaging is attracting this client when I want to be attracting that client. It's super important to sit down with it. I think the most common mistake, again, we see travel advisors make is trying to speak and connect with everybody instead of a specific audience. And again, this all goes back to the central marketing tenant. I feel like everybody knows this little clippy quote where if you speak to everyone, you speak to no one. And again, I think me and Jenna hit on this on previous podcast episodes, but we used to say deals, which would have trapped everybody and their brother. It was not really a specific person coming through the door. They could be booking like a quick Paris trip or somewhere in the Caribbean the next day. There was really nothing super solid about our target audience in the very beginning, which again, I think is pretty fine if you're just starting off. But I feel like now if you look at Travel, it's very clear that Europe is the market that we Most commonly serve, or those advisors most commonly serve, particularly Italy and Greece and stuff like that.
0: Especially in the summer. So, like, it's, and now it's hard because as a host agency grows too, like, they are working with many different advisors that have different niches. But I think you hit the nail on the head when you said like, it can be really scary to say like, this is my niche, because then you feel like you're losing opportunity for all the people that don't fall into that. But what you fail to realize is that you can increase your prices and be more knowledgeable, work more efficiently within that niche. But your niche doesn't have to just be what you're working on. You can actually say like, I want my niche to be X, Y, Z. And they don't have to be correlated. They could still be three different things. It could be Caribbean, African safari, and Asia. As long as your messaging is aligning with those things and you're speaking to the specific audience within those niches. So like that, obviously those are destination specific. But when you mention deals... What we were doing without realizing it is we were actually ostracizing those people that wanted a luxury experience because we were stating like, we can get you more for less. And people that are at a luxury price point, they don't usually want more for... Well, they they might. They might want more for less, but they want more value and a better experience. They're seeking to outsource something that they don't want to do to someone who's going to give them a better experience than they would do it themselves. That's really like the definition of luxury is having someone else do it for you that could do it better than you could do it. So it does feel intimidating or scary to say like, I'm only going to serve this audience, but when it's an audience you're passionate about, what is scary about only serving those people?
1: And I think a lot of times people are like, oh, your destination or like what your destination experience or expertise is has to be your niche. And I don't personally think that is true. I specialized in romance travel. So I was like the honeymoon person. And those were primarily the types of travelers I would book. But like, you can go on a honeymoon in Europe, but also like a Caribbean destination. So, do I believe you need to like know how to plan everything in the world? No, unless you're working with really solid suppliers. I don't think you can do it well. But I don't think at the same time where there's people they get like very bottlenecked because they're like. Well, what if an Italy request comes in? Do I just have to turn it down if I want to become Caribbean specific? Absolutely not. If it aligns with you know the type of trips you're booking. Same with destination weddings. Like Commonly people think destination weddings and they associate it with Caribbean, but we did destination weddings also in Europe. Like There's tons of other ways to do it. And I think that that type of planning is so... I mean, I tried to be the one destination wedding person for a while and I was like, I cannot do this. It's very complicated. So... Props to everyone out there who is planning destination weddings, but by getting super narrow in your niche, like with honeymoons, like that's your first trip as husband and wife. So I spoke to that in my emails and really hyped the people up and got them excited to like plan and it just, it felt good to me. Whereas some people love family travel. They really want people to feel comfortable taking their kids to Europe or taking their kids abroad for a period of time and like doing it well and feeling prepared while doing it. Not like, like keeping yourself small and like domestic travel as a family. So I think that's a super powerful niche to like lean into. So it doesn't necessarily have to be destinations either. I think that's important to note in this episode for sure. Because people commonly just get kind of hung up on that. And
0: you said honeymoon so that we could even take that, like your niche could be romance because you could do anniversaries, baby moons, destination weddings, honeymoons, like that. And that's a, a large niche. Like Obviously, there's a romance conference and multiple romance conferences actually that cater to that. So by specifying who you want to work with, it can be an indicator of the subsets that you can also serve. So for example, I think of religious travel, pilgrimage travel, where you could also do very niche specific where like in Jewish culture, like kosher kitchens and specializing in destinations that can serve in a kosher way. Like your religious pilgrimage could also affiliate you with the ability to serve another subset that needs that very specialized touch. Mm -hmm. When you are marketing, people are still going to ask you about the things that are unrelated to what you're marketing. But when you are actually marketing, who do you desire to serve the majority of, the most of? Because you are still going to get the people that come to you and say, I know you do X. Can you also do Y? I know you plan Italy. Can you also do an all-inclusive in the Caribbean? And I'm like, wow, my messaging has really either been great or very not great, depending on what I want to be selling. And I, at that time, really did want to be selling a lot because this was, I'm talking about like around the time of COVID times where people were shifting their travel desires from Europe to Caribbean because it felt more comfortable even once Europe was opened. It was just a little bit more intimidating to go more abroad. I really had to shift my messaging at that time to be able to continue my business. It was like do or die at that point. And I realized that I had been so niche in my messaging that I was attracting my ideal audience. But when there was a market shift, I recognized I had to do it again. I don't think there's a necessarily a negative to the fact that my my marketing prior to that had been so niche specific because I was handling an entire book of business. That was exactly what I wanted to deal with. But I think the, the takeaway there for me was, okay, be aware of when your brand messaging needs to shift. If you're not getting the people coming through the doors that align with what you want to sell, how can you adapt your messaging, your marketing, to enable you to sell what you want to sell. And that's, I would say a lot of people hit that point of their career, whether it's they've been selling all inclusives and sun and sand and single stop stays. And now they want to venture out into multi leg days. And then after that, they want to get into something more exotic, like you know, safari and things like that. Like that's making you more broad. So I'm not necessarily encouraging that, but I do think that's a natural progression as people get into the industry to kind of get their feet wet with single stop and then grow from there. And then some people just they stay in single stop because they know they're dang good at it and they can really specialize. And again, we've mentioned the resource of Riviera Maya before, like Lori Gold has clearly made a career on knowing that very specific niche. And there's so much to learn about that one area. So whatever you're doing, the brand messaging just needs to be so obvious.
1: I had, and you talked about going from super niche to broad. I had a advisor come up to me when I was speaking at E3 last year and she got into it. She was fairly new, but she got into it and she's like, I want to plan pickleball travel. I was like, that is (laughs) the most interesting niche I've ever heard in my life. But of course, she's like, I think I cut myself off at the knees. How do I expand? Like, I don't know how else to market to other people. And I was like, well, the natural progression for me to go from like something super specific is to go into like wellness travel or adventure travel. Like these people are obviously less hang out, like they want to be active. They wanna, you know, have like those health and wellness resorts. I think health and wellness would be such a great jump for you to like still stay yeah like you can be like the pickleball girl i think that's amazing and obviously it's a huge boom in our country right now taking that and going a little bit farther out can you got to cast a wide net you can't you know just throw a little thing out there you want to cast a big enough net without it being like casting a net to everybody and their brother so there's a balancing act
0: i mean until she gets such a network of pickleball players mm-hmm. that she's like i can choose to decline these things that is such a very specific niche that that's a challenge like I do think niches like honeymoons, if you only do honeymoons, you will still have people forever. That is a big enough niche that you will have an entire book of business as long as you're marketing that way. There are definitely people that do that. If you're doing sports and leisure travel, that's where I think that that specific advisor could segue into is like, okay, how can I hone my marketing that I want to make sure that everyone that's traveling with me is interested in enjoying activity or sports while they're in destination. So for example, like you specialize in resorts that have tennis and golf. You could organize F1, but have this website that specifies those things also highlighting your ability to do pickleball. And in your story narrative, and I won't dive into that too much because Robin's gonna elaborate on what that means, what that is and how you can develop it. But in your story narrative, you can talk about your passion for pickleball so that people are connected to that. So then you're more aligned when people do come to your site and are passionate about pickleball. But they'll be like, oh, I have this commonality. It's more convincing. So I think with
1: marketing, especially it's like you like pickleball. I always think about like how you can actually market that and like where you can find people like you're like, Oh, I want to play pickleball. How do I find them? Facebook groups. Like I just Googled pickleball near me. And there's like at least 2000 people in each of these treasure coast pickleball, Southeast Florida pickleball groups, all levels welcome. Again, it doesn't only make your marketing messaging easier to understand and clear for you. So honestly, easier to write, but it it just gives you like, you know exactly where to go to find those people. Like it becomes almost like, oh, duh, how do I find honeymooners? Well, you probably should look at like people getting married in South Florida or Dallas or wherever it is. Like Look for those groups because that's where people congregate. And then they self-select for you, which is just crazy to me because not, again, we told people from the very beginning, like we like made our business off Facebook groups because it yeah. was so powerful for us. Also, I'm thinking
0: of how cool a logo could be for a pickleball-based travel. company <laughs> <right now. laughs> And also like the ability to utilize regional statewide tournaments and sponsorships like that, because all of those tournaments are always looking for sponsors and to sign up to man the table at sign in or something like that and give away some kind of merch or pamphlet or something that talks about how you plan travel-based pickleball. And if you were to invest in just one multi-leg trip that you could get some great brand photos of like at really cool pickleball destinations. Like I'm thinking like if there's a castle with a pickleball court that you can get some brand photos, like I'm just thinking like there, there's definitely a niche here and she could run with it. And now she's probably like, now you're convincing people to steal my idea, but (laughs) I'm sorry to run with that, but I hope you're listening. (laughs) I realized that I was misaligned. Because I think anecdotes really compute for people. And we've shared our deals. We've shared things like that. But when it comes to like specific interactions, I did have multiple people ask me, I know you do luxury, but can you also do X, Y, Z? Those conversations are really opportunities for you to say yes or no. Like you don't have to say yes. We're talking about saying yes to the things that are outside of your scope, but it's also an opportunity for you to say, I don't currently serve that because I don't feel as though I'm the best to provide the best experience for that. But you can create relationships, and this is a total deviation from our conversation, but... We have an incredibly powerful network. There's no one to say that you can't have referral relationships with other advisors and get a contracted kickback based off of what you're referring out if you're scared of niching down. If you want to get really specific in your brand messaging, go ahead and say no to the inquiries that are not what you want to serve. They're only going to take your time, drain you of your energy. And the whole point of this is there were so many times where... I said yes to trips and I made massive errors because I didn't know the destination well enough and it cost me money. So that would be my point is when you are misaligning your target audience to your brand messaging, you're not speaking directly to your audience and you're attracting everyone that's going everywhere and doing everything, then you're in the predicament to shift your brain constantly from your zone of genius, outside, spend so much time researching. I booked Hawaii. I'm not great at Hawaii. It was fine. I did it well enough. Now knowing what I know, I would definitely refer it out. It's not something that I'm super great at. And Because of that, there were dining reservations that fell flat. There were tours that were over-touristic, which is not my jam. It's not something that I wanted to do. I hadn't been to Oahu. I'd only been to Maui. So I couldn't speak to the kind of ambiance of Waikiki. And that's a major thing to know, especially right now. Robin went there for her honeymoon and ran into a lot of like homeless issues that are on the street. And it impacted her experience. And it's also putting a strain on the local community. So it's not even just about the client experience. It's about how you're impacting the local community. When I was planning Budapest, like I had never been to Budapest and I'm like, I can fake it. I wasn't using DMCs. I wasn't leveraging relationships. I didn't have established relationships in those destinations. So then I'm in the bind of trying to find someone that's vetted that I can trust. And I don't have the discernment to go through the itinerary and know what if they're what they're recommending is great. Like, I don't know the location of the hotel. I don't know the style of the hotel. I'm not able to apply knowledge that could really put this over the top. And I just think that this industry has so many exceptional advisors that do what they do very well that. I don't ever want to be the advisor that hurts the industry's reputation because I'm ill advising someone and taking their money and putting them through an experience that may be subpar. We say it all the time. People join people. In fact, you have almost a 50% higher chance of closing a sale when you use storytelling to connect with a potential client to exemplify your value. That means that you can actually cut your sales efforts in half if you're leveraging your why, to make meaningful relationships with prospects. But there might be a problem. Maybe you haven't honed in on who you are targeting as your ideal audience. More than that, maybe you've been selling strictly on knowledge and skipping the bonding stage which humanizes you and creates trust with that prospective client. Lastly, Maybe your travel advisor training focused on systems and products over prioritizing people. If this hits the nail on the head for you, we have a special treat. Here's a hint. It's free, it's live, and it is all about you. Yes, you. On August 7th at 2 p.m. Eastern, Teak is hosting a free Creating Your Irresistible Sales Pitch Workshop. If you can't make it, don't worry. Anyone who is registered will get a recording to listen to at their convenience but don't wait. And we really want to see you there. So don't miss it. Head on over to the show notes to snag your spot at our Creating Your Irresistible Sales Pitch Workshop today. See you soon. If you've heard this anecdote before, I apologize, but I one time had a client came to me. They were between a cruise through Europe and or a multi-leg FIT that Went through the same destinations. They really wanted Italy. They wanted to take family. They wanted to bring kids. And I felt super confident in the multi-leg FIT itinerary that I could provide for them because it was specialized in Italy. As we know, like that's my jam. I love planning Italy and I feel very competent in planning Italy for both romance and for family. So this was an instance where it was going to be like a multi-gen family. Well, she's like, you know what? My husband's really stuck on the cruise. Can you quote me the cruise? I quote the cruise. I have no idea what I'm doing. It's a language I don't speak. I send her these cruises and she said, I'm so glad that you were honest about the fact that you don't do cruises well because otherwise you would have lost my trust completely. Straight up, this is a luxury client and I'm booking her Royal Caribbean on routes that she was not interested in, it was like such a total mismatch for what she wanted. But I had the courtesy and I would say the courage (laughs) to be very honest about the fact that this is a square peg in a round hole for me. And I'm really good at this. I'm not so good at this, but I'm happy to quote you both. And if she had done a cruise, I had been honest, like I will refer you to someone else. And I have always referred my cruises out to someone else because it's just not worth my time to learn about or sit on hold and learn about. And it just, it wasn't something I'm passionate about. So I know I'm not going to spend the energy that someone else that's really great at cruising is going to do to like make it their passion. Anyway, those are experiences I have screwed up Caribbean trips before. I definitely didn't know what I was doing before I booked safari because I didn't even know how to describe the itinerary to a client. I fumbled my way through the worst phone call because I wasn't leveraging the relationship and getting on a phone call with a DMC beforehand so that I adequately understood what I was proposing. There are just so many pitfalls that you can fall into that lose you money, whether it's the opportunity of money or fixing a situation when it goes wrong when you are not and I I guess this is kind of morphed into niching down but you're not exuding what your niche is through your brand messaging.
1: I think that's why we're so crazy with teak like when people are like hey can you do this for us and it's like we don't really do that like I feel like we're better about sticking to our guns. Yeah. And those instances now especially with teak and if we are doing something totally brand new, or like we're trying to pilot something that like, maybe this will work, maybe it'll fall flat. We're pretty open and honest. And I think that a lot of people get very scared about, you know, not being the person who's the best at everything, especially when it comes to planning travel. That it does, it ends up biting you in the butt where instead you're like, Hey, I'm not the best person for it. I can find you somebody or, you know, I can give it the good old college try as long as like you'll keep communication open and honest with me throughout the whole experience so that we can plan this together, whatever that narrative looks like for you. But that's a really good point to make.
0: And to be clear, you if you haven't planned something before, but you want it to be your niche, you don't have to be like, I've never done this, but I want to do this. I was honest because it wasn't something that I wanted to do or develop my knowledge in. If it's something that you haven't done before, but you can exude that level of confidence because you know you're going to put the energy in to make it magical, do it. So I don't want anyone to misunderstand and say like, okay, so if I haven't done something, do I need to be honest with a client? Okay. Well, I think you should always be honest with the client, but transparent is a different thing. Like, Proactively transparent. I do not think you need to proactively be transparent if it's something that you know you can tackle with enthusiasm and gusto. I guess,
1: or you're confident in a supplier relationship to help you take that trip and really make it good. Like when I got an Africa inquiry and I had never been, I knew Jen had said like it's unique, it's different. Like to do it properly, you need to know certain things. So I got on a call with the supplier and like just asked the questions I need to ask on the inquiry call, like. What's important to note about the various regions so that I felt prepared. And then yeah, I sold it and it was fine. It made me so nervous. like I think so many people want to get into those like big ticket romance like Bora, Bora, I really wanted to start selling. I really wanted to do Africa. but every time I got an inquiry it was like my stress levels went so high because I'd never personally been there so it was just it made me super nervous. Leaning on suppliers is really awesome or leaning on people in your host agency, or if you're a part of niche, leaning on people who are experts in certain places to kind of get the lowdown on things beforehand is so powerful. Because as advisors, I would say we're pretty open and honest about certain locations too. And like at least knowing what you need to know ahead of time.
0: And (laughs) when we did take things as Teak, when we started Teak and we started being like going outside of our packages and our products that we were confident about, every time it bit us. like, And it to the point where now we don't really do custom proposals because it's like, no, the client ends up unhappy. We don't feel like we're doing our best. We don't have the bandwidth to do it because we've stacked our calendar already with projected projects. So anytime we go outside of our scope, we end up being frustrated with ourselves. We end up frustrating our clients and it's never a win-win. So I would just think of it that way. Like as you say yes to trips, is it a win-win? And then when you're marketing, what can you market that you know will always be a win-win for your clients? And when you're choosing your tone of voice, how can you share your personality that it's a win-win that you are only bringing people into your sphere that you relate to and that are going to have a similar style than you. And we'll get into that because that's where we were talking about like generational differences and your target audience. Like there are so many layers to a target audience that it goes into a lot of psychology. And there have been times where our language in our workflow that with Explorator that we had, it didn't match the client that it was being sent to. And so I was always very transparent as a host. Like If this voice doesn't match yours and it doesn't match the audience you're selling it to, like change the voice of your workflow because formality is a huge thing that is make or break for people. And you need to be matching your audience. If they're super direct and short because they have no time, don't add fluff. Don't add the like casual flair and a little bit of enthusiasm. Like it just always needs to be aligned with who you're speaking to so that someone isn't zoning out as soon as they see something that's not in line with what you want to sell. All right, Robin, tell us about a story narrative because I teed this up a little bit. And I don't think that this has been discussed in our industry as much, but it's an imperative piece of the puzzle that's largely being ignored that could also help people close more sales that are aligned with exactly who they want to interact with.
1: Yeah. So taking it a step further, once you know that target audience, it's so important to kind of get that brand story figured out. So any travel advisors out there who are like struggling to attract their right clients, typically what that means to me is that there's like a lack of compelling story that's like differentiating your brand from competitors or like the Expedia slash booking.coms of the world and actually engages your target audience emotionally. That's where a brand story is so powerful. The brand story is basically like a narrative. It's like a marketing message that encompasses the facts and feelings you created for your brand or business. I guess, but your business is your brand. So <laughs> unless you have like a personal travel blog that turned into a business, but unlike traditional advertising, which is like buy for me, buy for me, buy for me, the brand story is all about showing and telling the background of your brand and like it it's meant to inspire an emotional reaction from the people reading your copy. So this comes into copy a lot, but your emails should be telling people about you in ways that they like connect with it. Like why did you get into travel? For us at Teak, it's like we were the struggling travel advisor who had no idea what was going on in the industry. We knew things needed to be A little bit updated. Everything felt really antiquated and like outdated. And we wanted something fresh and fun. So that's where Teak came from. So, like, we in our brand message commiserate a little bit. Like, it's almost like a commiseration for drill advisors, where it's like, we've been here. And that's why we created this. Like, this was built from that. And that's why people work with us because we have that background knowledge. So it's like, I feel like you really understand what I need for my business because you've sat in my shoes and that's why you come in. So that's that's the power of brain messaging. Like it can go a bunch of different ways. I've heard some brain stories from advisors when I was on the branding side of our business that literally just had me in tears. Like the reasons people launch their business are so <laughs> moving and they won't even share it or they won't show it or they won't really talk about it, which granted like some stuff is little personal. I know a lot of people, there was a couple um advisors I worked with who like lost a child, which like sparked the travel bug and like wanting to make the most out of life. And like that is super, super wow. powerful to connect with, you know, especially if you're planning family travel and things like that, like really pulling on those heartstrings a little bit and just getting people to not just read like, You should work with me because I do this, that and the other thing better than this person over here. But it really like shares your story where you came from. And it's probably the thing that'll move the needle in your sales and in your business more than anything else. So really making sure that you have a story that, you know, differentiates your brand and communicates your level of expertise and. Just gives them that story to like latch onto and remember. As people, we remember stories. Like we remember people's stories a lot more than we let on. So weaving that into your marketing is really powerful to like bring people into your sphere and really get them bonded to you in like a brand loyalty way.
0: There's so many people that have not shared their why because they feel like being personal is too
1: personal. Unprofessional, maybe. Yeah. like yeah.
0: Personal to be professional. Whereas like, again, we'll say it, we're going to say it every podcast, all right? It's just going to be hashtag people join people. Like that's, that's our saying between let's
1: loom and people join people. Especially with the people uh, buying services now, like acknowledge that marketing has shifted from just like the cheapest, fastest, quickest option on the market people will pay more for brands that they know, like, and trust. And like the millennials of the world, I go off of, like, I would rather pay a premium price for like a product I truly believe in or a product that I know does good in the world versus something like a Shein, which is like fast fashion that I just can't get behind. It's important for me. So like, I'm fine spending money at Lululemon because of all of their awesome initiatives for like, blah, blah, blah versus, you know, finding something cheaper and quicker on Amazon or something like that. It's just part of me, but a particularly generate, what's the one under us? Gen Z, which is what my sister's in. It's all about brand messaging for them. So it's like, I think as like the advertising and marketing space continues to shift to this younger generation, because we are taking up more and more of the consumer buying power, it's going to be even more imperative that you sit down and get comfy with this story, or at least start working on it. People
0: can't connect with you or create loyalty to you unless they feel some kind of tie or commonality. And it's just like, okay, so when you walk into a store and someone's like, I love your shoes, they were definitely told by their manager to compliment something on their. Like, I'm not saying if someone complimented your shoes, they're lying. But I'm saying that if you walked into a store and someone tells you they love your shoes, there's probably... Some kind of tactic there and it's to create a commonality and to connect with you and make you feel good. So like, why wouldn't that apply when someone is thinking about buying a shirt and they walk in and they feel good and their frame of mind is immediately like confident and like, Oh, I feel good. I'm definitely like connecting and vibing with this store. Why would that not apply? over a phone call, over a Zoom with someone who's entrusting you with thousands of dollars. To me, if I am selling family travel, I am going to share about my family. If I am selling honeymoon or romance travel, I am going to relate to them and I'm going to find out like, where'd you get married? And I'm going to find some type of commonality so that they know I've been in the trenches with them because pain is a connector. And pain point, that's why they say find the problem when you're in sales, because when someone feels like you can understand their pain or their problem in general, then they're so much more likely to give you a chance rather than you promoting your product. And you should always be addressing the problem. The product is like the symptom of you addressing it. It's not even... Like to them, it shouldn't even be the end game. To you, your one goal should be, I want to address the problem. I want to relate to this person. And the rest is gravy as long as you're applying discernment to creating your proposal. The biggest hurdle that we have is getting the people through the door and then making sure that they close the door to stay for the party.
1: Well, it's it's exactly like you said. Like it's about assimilating to people. It's like you want to see yourself in like the brands you work with, because think about it. (laughs) When somebody comes up to you and they're like, "Oh my God, I love that shirt. I got it on Amazon. It was this cheap. Can you even believe it?" Like you automatically are like, "Oh, here's where I got it. Here's how much it is. Like you can have it too. Like we can be the same." It's like a female reaction in particular, but like the commonality and naturally wanting to create bonds with people and like bring, I'm like you and here's how, like, or here's how we can be similar. It's just crazy. So I think your niche should go along with like where you're at. Years ago, my husband played for Green Bay, and like everybody was like, Oh my gosh, do you only work with NFL athletes? And it's like, No, because the typical NFL athlete isn't the person blowing money on all these crazy things. Like, honestly, if you want to work with luxury clients, you better go after the CEOs because NFL athletes only have a couple of years on their contract, and they're, if they're the normal kind of NFL athlete, they're saving a ton of money. So it's like, I actually like. Knew them a little bit better and could speak to like the seasonality of travel because you have June and July to travel. If you can't travel in those dates, you're not going anywhere because everything else associated with football season is coming up. So, like, you're not going to have fun because you also need to be making weight in two weeks. So, an all inclusive in July probably isn't going to work for you unless there's a hearty gym and like it's actually a wellness place. So, there's a bunch of stuff like that, but being able to like when I was planning my honeymoon, like it made sense that romance travel spoke to me. And I really, I really liked it. Like I've always really liked weddings. I used to do like internships in college for like wedding planners and like event planning. Cause I just am organized. I think, I don't, I don't know why. I, I, I just loved like the clean orderly, which granted if you've ever been in event planning, it never is clean or orderly at the end of the day. But it's just like, I think when you, find a piece of yourself inside of the target audience, that's when things really shift. That's when you're able, I don't know what I'm even trying to say here, but when people go after these super crazy different people, that's fine, but you need to have some sort of bridge to that person. Like you need to be able to relate to them in some way in order for them to be like, okay, we are similar. I trust you now. I'll hear what you have to say. Because I think a lot of people try to reach these certain types of people that don't really have that connection with them. And then, how do you create messaging for a type of traveler or a type of demographic you're not super common with? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it gets stickier, it gets harder, and then it's more generic, which makes it inauthentic, which makes the message not believable. I don't know if that makes sense. No,
0: I think that's why a lot of MLMs fall flat. This we're taking out outside of the travel sphere for a minute. And I'm thinking of like the MLMs that have hair products or skincare. Like if you are pushing a product that you can't connect to, like, for example, I way back in the day. I'm not saying this is bad if you do them, but like I fell into it, but it's not my passion. So obviously it was very misaligned for me. And I was doing a skincare MLM and I started to be successful, but as most people do, they kind of like peter off, but it's because I had nothing to relate to. I always had. Decent skin. I didn't really have a skin problems. So relating to someone was never a thing. Right. My marketing did not have a story because it's something that I did for like a side hustle and it was marketed to me as such. It was not marketed to me as like, you want great skin? I can help you out with this. Like I just think that's how people get burnout and they find theirself out of an industry or out of a niche is if you're, if you don't have your own story, like if you can't convince yourself, You cannot convince someone else to-
1: Say it again. (laughs) You can't sell to yourself. You can't sell to anybody. Yeah. If
0: you don't even like the product you're selling, you probably shouldn't be selling it. And there's a reason why Robin and I didn't do cruises. There's a reason why I only did all inclusives that I was really passionate about. And I would actually decline anything outside of that because I couldn't stand behind it. And I only found myself fixing problems because I didn't know it well enough and i was selling to an audience because i was marketing myself at like i would say a different level at that point of clientele but we all know that there's a difference between what someone expects and their budget at the beginning when they they don't understand what people what things cost like people don't understand what things cost until we educate them and i think that was a very hard lesson for me to learn as I was taking budget at face value I wasn't taking an advisor approach and educating my ideal audience about what things actually cost so then I was selling them the wrong thing that didn't even fall within the parameters of something that I would book for myself or like and then I lost a trusting client that I look back and I I know the exact person that I'm talking about too because they ended up going to Unico later and I'm like I lost their trust And I could have sold them Unico and, but I didn't push them and I didn't tell them like why you shouldn't book this terrible all-inclusive that you ended up having a camel ride at in Mexico. Like it's it was just like a very, very bizarre scenario (laughs) and I look back and I'm like, wow, that you can tell that was like one of my first bookings because one, I don't even do animal entertainment. Didn't know that was a thing. And two, like why does a resort have a camel in the Riviera Maya? And
1: three. Oh, it was Riviera Maya. I'm like, I thought camel rides are pretty common in Cabo. (laughs) That's interesting. I've never seen that. (laughs) And the food wasn't great, which I'm
0: super passionate and picky about when it comes to all inclusive. So, like, my brand messaging at that time was also touting something that I was proud of, but I didn't sell it because I was scared of having the conversation. So, I guess that shifts to even another point is that if your brand messaging is showcasing one thing, don't sell the other without managing expectations or at least having hard conversations because that could have gone very well for me. I could have said, I know you're not going to be happy with what I give you at this price point. So here are the options. Splurge now. Or let's table this for three months and save up a little each month so that you can have something you're really happy with. Because I just took from them seven days of PTO and a a year's worth of savings for something that they walked away and didn't have a great time at. And I couldn't stand behind. And that's why I'm really passionate about like, do not sell something that you cannot stand behind. If you can't stand behind it, don't sell it. It will cost you money. It will cost you clients and your brand messaging should align with everything that you sell.
1: I always think of that one trip I booked. It was for like a mother and her children going to Riviera Maya. And she had a really low end budget, but her story was pulling on my heartstrings. So I talked to Jen and I was like, I don't feel good about the options in her budget. I don't know what to do. So I remember collaborating with Lori to make sure that like the resorts I were sent, like the three stars I was sending her were suitable. And it just... It ended up being a big old mess in the end that like blew up all over my face. <sighs> I just wish I would have been like, I know you want to go, but like, here's what I would recommend or like not taking the trip because it just, it was bad. It was the worst thing ever. I think I've told this story on fans before and it was truly my, like, I think it was one of my last trips before I fully transitioned to teak Two And that's when
0: yeah, I was like, yeah, between that and the destination wedding, that, <laughs> ruined, ruined everyone for, for Robin ever again. But to be fair, that resort I have only seen positive things about, and there are going to be negative people in yeah. the world. Yeah, and for like sure. he had an agenda that did not align with your story. <laughs> no. Error of that was that our brand messaging was not attracting the right client and she was the wrong client. It was not the wrong resort because I know plenty of people that would have been over the moon to have a beautiful family vacation there. And if I do recall, I feel like it was actually the splurge of the three options you gave her. And she was like, it looks good. It has great reviews. That was an error in messaging where we attracted the wrong client because we were talking about deals and we were making things work and we weren't having hard conversations and we weren't saying the things that people needed to hear to know that their vacation was going to be quality over investment. I guess like your level of investment is usually a direct indicator of the quality of experience you had. And we just weren't in a place to feel comfortable in our sales narrative or our pitch to have those conversations. And we definitely hadn't developed our objections yet.
1: No. And I just wasn't confident being like, hey, I don't book under this this quality resort and here's why. It was just... eh.
0: Yeah. So you do have to have a level of confidence to step up to the plate in those moments, have the hard conversations, but you also have the level of confidence to sell what you want to sell and people sniff out when people are not confident about what they're selling. You got to sell yourself. Then you got to sell the product like we just said, and the product is you. And then after that, you have to sell properly with expectations and boundaries, the trip. But the trip is the third thing. The trip is the absolute third thing. It again is like the symptom of all the things that you've built up It's not the main point, which is where I think a lot of people reverse their sales strategy and they think, okay, I got to go in with a great proposal. No, you've missed two very important steps that are going to allow you to close that proposal with a trusting and appropriate client that matches your brand.
1: Overall, like in this episode, of course, we're talking about brand messaging, but it's like, it's not, it goes beyond that. Like, it's not simply about one thing, it's just a general lack of applying strategy overall to your business. Like, it's taking the time to intentionally sit down, identify your goals, where do you see your business going, your mission, your values, everything that gives you purpose in building your business. Otherwise, you're stuck with a business that's happening to you rather than being in control of the outcome of your business. Like this foundation builds onto your marketing, which builds onto your sales, which ultimately builds onto your success. So we talk a lot to a lot of advisors who want to be these six and seven figure earners, or they accidentally are. Like they don't know how it happened, but all of a sudden they're accidentally selling six and seven figures annually, but they're continuing to like, blindly stumble around without a plan. And that lack of control is like the number one, that piece of progress that could be holding you back from not only a successful business, because you can accidentally run a successful business, but a successful business that feels good or you can wake up in the morning and know exactly what's coming to you. Like your client load isn't making you nuts. Like you're able to like relax and feel good in a business that feels good while successfully operating on its own. If you are like, wow, this felt a little bit like church. I can't get enough of it. Give me, give me more, which is like a Britney quote. I'm pretty sure. I love her. She just had her whole moment of like breaking free from the confines. So like full on Britney Spears girl over here. Free Britney. Britney. But yeah, if you're like, give me more of this, this was so juicy. I need more of it. You're in luck. Teak is hosting a live free sales workshop all about creating your irresistible sales pitch. We're so excited. We really haven't done a live event in quite a while. It's been a long time coming. So we are super pumped to get back on live with you guys on this one hour training. We are going to walk you through how to define your key selling points based on your target audience, outlining your unique value proposition for your business, crafting your sales narrative, and then teaching you how to tailor this narrative based on your audience. So all of this amazing, juicy content, we're going way, way deeper, tangible outcomes, all of the good stuff you get when you're on trainings with us. I'm just really excited about it. So if you like this episode, you will not want to miss the live Zoom. Again, it is free. We are so excited. We hope you are too. Sales is fun, a little scary, but mostly fun. And we're going to talk all about it.
0: We hope that this episode allowed you to take a step outside of your process to see your business as a potential client would see it. If your story isn't coming through and your brand messaging isn't speaking to the right audience, now is the time to address
1: just that. Thank you for joining another TikToks episode. If you're loving our content, we'd love and appreciate your support and feedback. So head on over to Apple Podcast, hit subscribe so that you never miss when an episode drops. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. We're sending you a long distance cheers because you just finished another episode of Teek Talk.
0: If you loved what you heard, hit subscribe and head over to the show notes for any resources and a
1: summary of this episode. In the meantime, if you want more access to us, we are personally inviting you to join our Niche by teak community, where we host live events, answer your questions, share destination masterclasses, and give you a front row seat to all the resources that we launch throughout the year.
0: Plus, what's better than being surrounded by like-minded advisors that are hyping you up to
1: succeed each day. We think nothing. Head over to www.teakhq.com backslash niche to join the community today.